Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. But whatever his thing was, right? It didn't seem like he repented. Didn't seem like he praised the Lord. Didn't seem like he was grateful or thankful. Or didn't seem like he wanted to follow Jesus at all. None of that. I said, Lord, why in the world did you heal that joker, that man? Saying, if he healed him, he'll definitely heal you. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Once again, welcome everybody here and welcome to our online community that are gathering all around the world. We thank you guys so much for joining us from wherever you are listening or watching we thank you. You are a part of this service today. And when you get the opportunity, make sure that you go to our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can find today's video and the entire series or today's audio and the entire series. So check it out today. We've got lots of things to do there. So check it out. It's really going to bless you. And while you're on the website, don't forget to hit that contact button and let us know where you are. Send us your prayer requests, your testimony. We'd be so glad to hear from you. And also while you're there on the website, click that give button and give into the ministry. A little bit goes a long way. And we thank you so much for your partnership and helping us to pull this gospel plow. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. Well, as you know, everybody, we've been in a series for the past uh, 10 weeks or nine weeks. I believe this is part 11 or 10 in the series entitled Breaking Free breaking free. And this is also the concluding message in this series entitled Breaking Free. So we've been breaking free from the bondages of this world, from the systems of this world. There are prisons that have been erected and built. Uh, not, uh, of course, there are physical prisons uh, which house people, but there are a whole lot more mental prisons and psychological prisons and emotional prisons that have held God's people in captivity for so long. And the Lord has come to break you free. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I pray that you'll pray with me today as we dive into this last part of this series. Our series today, the Lord takes us into the book of John, John the fifth chapter. John 5, and I'm going to do just a little bit of reading here, John 5, verses 1 through 20, and then we'll go back and uh, go back and get in it. This is a very familiar uh, text of Scripture, and I believe that we will be gleaning out or drawing out more truths uh, for us today. So I pray that you hang with me. All right, it goes like this. This is John, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 20, and it reads like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, uh, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. 
When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that? which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk. And he, and he that was healed wist not who it was, or he didn't know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Verse 16, as a result of this, what happens? And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath but said also that God was, that God was uh, his father making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. In verse 20, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that, uh, that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Praise the Lord. Now there is so much in this that it's going to be hard to really almost miraculous to get all of this in here today if the Lord really wants to conclude this series today. We may go into part two, I don't know. But we're going to take a stab at it and go as far as the Holy Spirit will allow us to go. If we go back at verse number one, let me show you a few things here. Verse number one actually sets the tone of the entire case of this entire study. Now, one of the reasons we're here in this Breaking Free series is that the Lord is breaking you free from the things that are binding you, from the things that are holding you, from the things that are holding you back from becoming all that God wants you to be. For us to say, well, I'm not bound. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That will actually be a, an incorrect statement because there is some way in your life that you are still restricted from movement. 
from being all that God has called you to be. Whether it is spiritually, emotionally, uh, psychologically, whatever it is physically, there's some way that, uh, that there is some, sort, some type of resistance on you that is holding you in place, uh, that is stopping you from becoming all. Well, again, Jesus has come to break you away from that. And verse 1 tells you one great thing. It says here, again, verse number 1, it says, uh, again, John 5, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, many scholars say that this feast is talking about the feast of the Passover, that this was the Passover feast. Now, what takes place at the Passover? Well, we understand that uh, God sent the, the last plague, right? And it would go through. Now, the angel of death went through the land, and, and those that had eaten the flesh of the lamb and, and put, their, put the lamb's blood on their doorposts and sideposts, they would be spared from destruction that went through the land, right? That was the Lord's Passover. So in essence, the power of God was going through the land, and he was showing mercy to those that honored his son. Mercy to those that honored him. So the power of God was going through the land really to deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt. The power of God went through the land to deliver the people of God from bondage. And what is Jesus about to do here? He's about to move in the power of God to deliver the people from bondage. What bondage? Well, you're going to see this in just a few moments. Verse number two tells us, let's look at this for a moment. Verse 2 says again, now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which, uh, which is called Bethesda, rather, which, in the, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, we see here in verse number 3 that there are a lot of people, there is a multitude of people waiting on the troubling of the water. They were just sitting there. Now, the word, um, it says in verse 3 again, it says, these uh, hang with me. It says, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind. Of course, they were halt. That, that is, they were um, uh, blind and they were paralyzed and, you know, they were crippled and they were all waiting. Another, another word for waiting there is they were looking for the troubling of the water. Now, they were all focused on the water. Can you imagine that? The Bible says at a certain season, verse number five, now grab a hold of this. At a certain season, an angel would come and trouble the water. Maybe he would dip his finger in the water. I don't know what, what would happen. Uh, some scholars say that this was a fable. But I can tell you this true. I can tell you that that may not be the case, that this was an actual occurrence. But the angel would come and he would do something to the water and the water would bubble up. And scripture says the first one in got healed. The first one in got healed. Now, this angel talked about, uh, actually talked about the Old Testament and what Jesus would do also in the New Testament. There are actually two angels here. An angel is a messenger, right? Jesus is a messenger or is the messenger of God. And many times in the Old Testament, uh, when Jesus appeared in the Old Testament, uh, they referred to him as an angel, the angel of the Lord, when he showed up in different places in the Old Testament. Now, there are two angels here in, in, in relates to this, as it relates to this, and we can call them both messengers. This first angel, representing the Old Testament, would come down and touch the water. Why was he representing the Old Testament? Because the only way they, they could receive a miracle was by their own works and by their own actions. 
When they saw the water troubled, they had to use their own strength to get down there into the water and touch the water. And the first ones in got healed. So it depended. So their healing or their receiving of the power of God was based on how well they did things, how well they were equipped, how well they could, how well they could maneuver, how well they lived, right? How much help they had which is the Old Testament performance-based. You receive the grace of God or you receive power or the healing of God, the favor of God, based on how well you could do it. If you could move fast enough, then you could be healed. And that's what it was about. But Jesus comes representing the New Testament, the grace of God, and he comes and he heals this man, not based on his ability, as a matter of fact, the man said, I have nobody to put me in the pool. He said, I have no ability, not based on the man's goodness, but based on the goodness of God, based on the grace of God. Jesus healed this man based on his goodness and not the man's goodness. Do you get that? Now, I also ask the Lord, Lord, why did you heal this one particular man and not the others? And there are two reasons for that and two things. If you grab a hold of this, really get this, really get this, you'll also uh, have an ability to receive your own miracle. First of all, the Bible says that this man was there at the pool for how long? 38 years. Can you imagine that? 38 years of disappointment. He said that I, I don't have anybody to put me in the, in the pool when the water's troubled. In other words, he looked all around and could see other people with their maybe friends or relatives when the water was moving. They helped them get down to the pool. The man said, I don't have anybody to help me. Nobody can help me. I wonder if it's, has anybody had that testimony or ever felt that way. I got all this stuff to do in my life and nobody's helping me. Nobody's helping me. He sees everybody else got help. Everybody else got help. And he said, I have nobody. I don't have anybody to help me. And not only that, he testifies as well. When the water's troubled, I don't have anybody to help me put, me put me down there. But then he says, somebody always gets in there before me. When it seems like I'm about to get it, somebody always steps in before I do. So it's like I'm always last. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? How can I? I don't have anybody to help me. And it seems as though he's, he's speaking out of anger, speaking out of frustration. Now, understand, he has been, has been concentrating on this pool. He has been concentrating, just like everybody else, looking at that water. And because of that, they were all stuck. They were stuck in something that God did. They were so stuck in it that they couldn't see what God was doing. And so here's something that, of course, that they were stuck in a method. God did heal this way, but that was not the only way that God could heal. They were stuck in this. They were stuck in this. And we would say today many times, well, God did this at one point, and a lot of people came in. God did this in my business, and I got a lot of business that way. God did this, and God did that. And we think if, if we can just do this again, do this again, then, then God will bless me if I can just do this. And so we're, our eyes are on the stats. Our eyes are on the seats. Our eyes are in the parking lot. Our, our eyes are on the quota. If God would just show up this way, this way here, then I know I'll be successful. But here, but we can be, again, so focused on the method that you can't see God, don't really realize God is walking up behind you. 
don't really know. He's talking to you. Anybody ever talk, try to talk to somebody who's watching TV? And they really, yeah, my wife got her hand up, yeah. <laughs> Lord, help me. They really into that program, really into that movie, and they can, you know, you go up beside them, you can dance if you want to or whatever, try to talk to them. They won't know that you are there because they're so focused, so focused on what they're doing. So focused. This man was so focused, and the people were so focused looking at what God did that they didn't see God walking with them. And that's a danger. They were stuck and that's today's title they were stuck and they didn't realize it I told you there are two reasons why God chose this man one he'd been there for 38 years 38 years of disappointment 38 years of somebody else getting your promotion on the job 38 years of someone getting your raise 38 years of it 38 years 38 represents the end of your human strength. Let me show you that. Let's go to the book of, let me see here. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings. Let me see. Do we want to go there? No, let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the second chapter. Deuteronomy 2, verses 14 and 15. Let me show you about this number 38. Deuteronomy 2nd chapter verse 14 and 15 says this. Now of course this was after God had told the children of Israel uh, they were about to cross over the promise into the promised land, right? They're about to cross over the Red Sea, but they said look, we can't do it. These giants are too big for us. This is too much for us. We're not going to do it, God. We, in other words, we don't believe that you can save us. We don't believe that you can help us. Only two people said that they could do it. Of course, that was Joshua and Caleb. And the Lord told them, all right, since y'all jokers, I'm sorry, since y'all people, y'all didn't want to obey me, thinking you thought that I wasn't, okay, y'all going to wander in this desert until you die. Look at this in Deuteronomy 2nd chapter. This comes after that in verse number 14. And it says, and the space in which we came uh, from Kedesh Barnea until we were uh, come over the brook um, Zirid was 38 years. The children of Israel traveled 38 years until, say, say until, until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord swear unto them. Look at verse 15. For indeed, the hand, of, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. In other words, Jesus waited until their ability to fight back had left. He waited until this man reached the end of himself. He had no strength to get down there, no strength to do. And many times the Lord will wait Say, Lord, why are you waiting? He'll wait until you're at the end of your rope so that you'll never take the credit and think that I did it. If you had that person to come over and help you get in there, then you would have said, well, it was so-and-so. They helped me, and, you know, because of them. No, the Father wants the glory. He wants the glory. And the Lord waited, in essence, 38 years, waited until his strength, his ability, 
all that was absolutely gone. Empty tank, zero, battery on zero. Your phone is not even lighting up anymore. It's dead. He waited. Won't God do it? Yeah. That's why Jesus waited four days before he got Lazarus up. Because the Jews believed that the spirit still resided in the body after, uh, uh, up to the third day. After the fourth day, they considered them completely dead. Jesus said, I'm going to wait until there's no hope left. And then I'm going to step in. I'm going to show you that I am God. So Jesus speaks this man who was there for 38 years, the end of his natural strength altogether. The second reason the Lord picked this man, and you see this, you, we saw this further on down here. I'm so grateful that Jesus picked this man. And uh, because it, it hit me, uh, Shekinah, I mean, I was really uh, puzzled about this. Lord, why you picked this man? Because after you healed him, he didn't praise you. He didn't worship you. He didn't thank you. He didn't follow you. Matter of fact, he went and told on you. He healed you. I mean, Lord, you healed that man, and he went and told the Jews, hey, what's Jesus? That man right there. That man, that man right there, he healed me. Yeah, don't miss him. Right there. He's Jesus. That man, he healed me. And because of what he did, the Jews sought to kill Jesus. That doesn't sound grateful to me. He didn't praise God, didn't honor God. And matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, I healed you now. Don't go back and do the thing you did first place to get sick. At least something worse going to happen to you. It didn't look like this man repented either. Seems like he's about to go right back in that club. I thought I saw him down there trying to get some singles. I know it. But that's another story altogether. But whatever his thing was, right? It didn't seem like he repented. Didn't seem like he praised the Lord. Didn't seem like he was grateful or thankful. Or didn't seem like he wanted to follow Jesus at all. None of that. I said, Lord, why in the world did you heal that joker, that man? Saying, if he healed him, he'll definitely heal you. If he healed the one that wasn't following him, that don't want him, he'll definitely heal you. This man didn't do anything special to deserve it. God did it because of his grace and his goodness. So how dare we come up, up, bring our mouth together to say the words, why won't God do it for me? I'm serving him. I love you. love Jesus and you're serving him and you honor him with your life. Don't you think that he will bless you? If he blessed that crooked joker, that crooked man, don't you know he'll bless you too? If he did it for him, he'll definitely do it for you. And so I thank God for that. I thank God for that. But again, this, uh, the Lord, so the Lord delivered that man uh, from that, uh, from, and when he did that, he delivered his people from being stuck because all of them were waiting on something to happen. And so focused on God to do it like this again that they couldn't see the new that God was doing. So focused on their works. If I can just do this, when that water's trouble, remember, hey, Brad, we're together, right, buddy? Hey, all right, when it's trouble, all right, pick me up now. All right, we ready? You got me? You got me? Yeah, we got you. We right, we got you. You got you right here. When that water's trouble, we got you. It's trouble. Move. Code red. Move. They were so focused on getting in that water to get the healing that they didn't see God. We've been so looking for the Lord. 
looking for what he did, that we're stopped looking for him. Stop looking for God's hand, that we stop looking for his heart. Stop, we're, we're so praying, Lord, make this happen, make this happen, make this happen. Our prayers are now, Lord, make this happen. Bless me, Lord, here. Bless this, or We're looking for this, but we stop saying, God, fill me with your presence. Let me know you. Let me honor you. Let me embrace you. Teach me how to love you. That's a prayer toward, toward him. Does that make sense? I want you to see this too, because this was not the only time that people of God were stuck. There were two other times where people of God were stuck. Let me show you this one in 2 Kings, and we're beginning to close shortly. 2 Kings, the 18th chapter. This is another instance where the people of God were stuck in a method. We just could not break free. Could not do it. 2 Kings, the 18th chapter. Look at verses 3 and verse 4, and I'll read this out of the New Living Translation. This is how it reads. It says, and this is talking about uh, King Hezekiah, and you'll see this as we go on down, but it says, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Look at verse 4. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. And that's great. The people of God had begun to worship all these other idols and all these other things. Now, this was in uh, the fellowship of God's community among Israel. They had actually begun to worship other gods. So the king came up and said, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. I'm tearing them all down. But that wasn't the only thing he destroyed. It says here, he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Why did he break up that bronze serpent? You remember that, right? When the people, when the people of Israel were that sinned in the wilderness and God told them to make a bronze serpent and who, whoever looks at this serpent will live because they, were, they had been bitten by those snakes, right? And so the king, he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Why did he do it? Because the people of Israel had been, what? Offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called uh, Nehothen. So what happened? God did this, but now the people of God, instead of worshiping the Lord, now begin to worship this, the bronze serpent on the pole. Oh, Mr. Bronze Serpent, would you heal? Would you please bring healing? What in the world are you doing? They were stuck. They were stuck. And of course, you know, the Elijah, the, 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 the great thing that happened at Mount Carmel when Elijah asked the people here, he said, how long are you guys going to be stuck between two, halt between two opinions? As a matter of fact, let's look at this at 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, look at verse 21. The people were stuck. And I love the way the Message Bible reads it. Are y'all still with me today? 1 Kings 18, verse 21. The Message Bible says this. Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. They were stuck. They were st stuck. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being stuck in your prayer life? 
wanting God to move this way, to do that again, and praying, God, Lord, I want to have a relationship with you that I used to have. I want to have the power with you that I used to have. I want to, I want to pray like I used to pray. I want to fast like I used to pray. Always asking God, go back to this. Do this again. Do this again. Do that again. That's best for me. Always pointing back to the past, what God did. But in doing that, you're not a candidate for a fresh move of God. That's better. That's better than what you had before. Can you imagine that God can do something better and greater for you? But if we're stuck, it takes Jesus to come and unstick you. The Bible says that Jesus simply, how did he heal this man at the pool of Bethesda? Did he lay hands on him? No. That he reached down, make a spittle of clay, and put it on the man? No. He just spoke to him. The answer was in his word. He said it. Take up your bed and walk. And we're going to conclude with this. What happened? The man picked up his bed and he began to walk. He picked up his bed and began to walk. What does that bed symbolize? The bed symbolizes the oppression, the thing that oppressed him for such a long time. It was a symbol of his bondage, what held him, what restrained him. It was a symbol of his sickness. I can't move. I can't do for myself. It was a symbol of his disappointments, constant disappointment over and over and over again. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's with me. I got to do all this myself. I'm sick and I'm tired of coming here and I'm tired of you, God. I've been coming here for 38 years and you haven't done this for me. It's a symbol of I'm tired, I have no strength, and nobody is here to help me, and I'm so tired of being last. Every time I think I'm about to get it, somebody else gets in front of me. I'm tired of it. I can't do enough right. I don't have the strength to get it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm in the right place, but I just can't get to where I got to go. That bed symbolized all of that. Now Jesus said, pick it up, carry it. Saying that you now have total mastery and total victory over this. Total, he made him more than a conqueror. When he healed him immediately, when his whole life took a, a total change, from crippled or from paralyzed. Now he's up walking, carrying his oppression, his symbol of his oppression. Now he's carrying it, complete victor, complete victory. Can you imagine everybody else at the pool as he's walking by with that upon his shoulders? What? He didn't even have anybody to help him. They all looked at him, how, how did, and when that happened, Everybody's attention had to turn back to God and away from the method, away from that system. That pool also talks about a religious system. You think that we can only get somewhere with God if we do it this way. The Lord says, I have something new for you. I have something fresh for you. And the way that God is going to do it it's not going to draw you to a thing. 
is going to draw you to him. It's going to draw you to him. I've known people that have, that have said uh, that statues, statues of Mary or statues of Christ were, was bleeding and blood coming from the eyes or oil coming from them. And I've known even some time ago where oil was coming from a Bible and, and they say that that was God. I'm not saying that it was not God. Hear me, but all I'm saying is that what did it cause the people to do? Did it cause them to go to God or did it cause them to go to this? If it draws you away from him, if it makes you look at his hand but not his heart, we need to think again. The serpent on the pole was legitimate. That was something that God really did. But man corrupted it and made it something else. This angel that came down the water, I believe that's what God really did. But we got a hold of it and made it something else. God can do things new and afresh. I pray that you let him do something new and afresh in your life so that you can break free of these things that are holding you so that you can move forward with your life without the entanglements and become all that God wants you to be. He wants you to fly. He wants you to soar. He wants you to do it, to become all that you can be. But we've got to break free. And that answer is in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name for this word of being really unstuck. And you're moving us away from this pool theology, from this thing that worked before. But Lord, we've been waiting on it and looking at it for such a long time, Lord, hoping that it, something would happen, hoping that something would move. We've been looking and waiting and waiting and looking and looking and waiting and, and hoping that something would move. Lord, we've been trying to be so faithful in it, just looking and waiting, looking and waiting, so faithful. Lord, help us to turn our eyes from the thing to you, to see the fresh thing that you are doing because you are very active. Father, I pray that you will, will once again turn our hearts toward you and away from the thing. So Lord, we repent. And Lord, we ask you to take us where we need to go. Lead us. We will follow. We love you. And we thank you. Bless all our friends that are here and those that are listening and watching from all around the world. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. See you guys again next week. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.